Hello, everybody, and welcome to No Middle Madness, a podcast about Texas Tech basketball. It's been actually a little bit of a quiet week, which has been nice, especially during finals, trying to study, trying to wrap up the semester, take a couple of weeks off, things like that. Um, But there's still been some movement. Obviously, the last uh, big news we heard was the addition of Davion Warren transfer from Hampton. We're going to give you the rundown on him. We're also going to give you our thoughts on the roster as a whole and how it's come together. And then we're going to answer some of your questions. So I'm Ryan Mainville, and I'm joined, um, as always, by Emery Lida. Emery, you hanging in there? Yep. Just continuing on with life. Thankfully, the Portland Trailblazers have started to win again, so I can watch basketball in peace now. Um, and then it was a little bit more quiet on the Texas Tech front, which has been not to say wanted because obviously it's always nice to get transfers coming in or coaches coming in and having new scoops. But it is nice to kind of get a week where it's kind of more relaxed. I'm excited to kind of talk today about Davion Warren and some of the roster construction discussion that we've had over the last few days in terms of how Tech has built their roster because it looks like it's starting to come along now and we're starting to get a good idea on how Mark Adams has been building the roster and what he wants to see from his first year. So, yeah, I mean, it's been a good week, and I'm excited to talk about some Tech basketball. Yeah, it's going to be nice for me to think about something other than accounting. So let's go ahead. I'm not going to waste my breath. Let's let's jump right into it. The first thing we want to cover is the addition of Davion Warren. So Warren is a six foot six, 210-pound guard, so another guy that's kind of – you know, he he's tall, he he's thick, he's gonna he's gonna bang you around a little bit down low. Um, but he spent two seasons at only Central College before transferring to Hampton and he comes to tech as a grad transfer, so he'll play next season and that'll be it. He had an incredible senior season last year. He averaged twenty one point two points per game, two point one steals, three assists, six point four rebounds, and he did that on 45.5% shooting from the field, just over 40% from three, and around 75% from the line. So obviously some some pretty impressive numbers, um, but just kind of what was your initial reaction of landing Warren? Well, it was really much needed because Warren's one of those guys that was almost a centerpiece of Tech's focus in the transfer portal. I mean, obviously, you've got a guy that comes from Hampton that really had huge numbers in the Big South Conference. I mean, some of his stats that really stick out are his steal rate being over 3.4%, which is really good, especially for someone that plays as much on and plays as many minutes and has such a large role offensively. He had a usage rate over 30%, which is something, again, just like Adonis Arms that we talked about the last time we discussed roster construction is something that's probably going to go down on tech, but certainly is some, something that you like to see from a guy playing in a mid-major or low-major conference. And, I mean, watching the film, he's really kind of an aggressive player, really is able to create his own looks. He's got maybe a little bit of a wild side to him. His turnovers could get a little bit sketchy at times, but certainly the defensive presence is there. I mean, the numbers really – stick off the chart and I mean some of that to be completely blunt is maybe the conference not being quite as great but he's certainly a really aggressive defender and I am 
really excited to see how he fits in with the roster because I think he's another one of those versatile pieces, and we'll get into this later, that Mark Adams can really utilize in a variety of different lineups. You can see him playing as this aggressive, assertive defender and also having a variety of roles offensively. I think that's always nice to have, and it's just another guy that can create his own shot that is able to take advantage of matchups. And on the defensive end, you know he's going to be able to bring it every night, and on ball is – looks to be a complete beast. I mean, I was excited by the pickup. Obviously, there were guys that maybe got a little bit more coverage from tech fans or from national media, but I think that Warren's a really good fit, and I think he fits in exactly with what Mark Adams wants to do with this roster in the next year. Yeah, so Warren was one of these guys that kind of popped up on the tech radar and got kind of just caught in the current of like how much news there was happening. And then he posted like a, an edit of him in a tech Jersey and was like, Hey, red Raiders, like, what do y'all think about this? But he wasn't committed at the time. And that was kind of around the time where I was watching um, a lot of Adonis arms and still trying to figure out uh, just what I thought of arms and trying to form a solid opinion of him. And obviously uh, Hampton and Winthrop were in the same conference. So I got to see a little bit of, of Warren while I was watching arms. And I mean, I really like this guy, obviously the numbers, they just jump off the charts um, with how, how much he scored, how much he was asked to score. I, I, I just did this before we started uh, recording and I essentially just ran like a minutes filter and then sorted by usage rate. But essentially he had like, the third highest usage percentage among guys that played over, I think it was 800 minutes in division one. And then like the eighth highest usage rate among guys that played over seven, he was asked to do a lot for his offense. And this is kind of where he falls into the umbrella that I, that I think of with arms and that he's going to be asked to do less at tech. So while he won't be scoring as much next year, his efficiency should be way better. His turnover should improve. Um, and so I'm really excited about that. And then another aspect of it that I think is is, is a little underrated. I, I don't think I've I've seen anyone talk about this, but um, it's just how much he played. Like he played 35 minutes per game, and I didn't even know this until um, we started recording. And I pulled up uh, my roster snapshot that's on my Twitter. Chandler Jacobs actually played 36 minutes per game, and I did not realize that um, when I was when I was watching him. But I mean, it makes sense with how good he was. But I mean. Warren playing 35 minutes per game. If Peary is going to implement a fast-paced offense and if Adams is going to run the fast-paced offense that Peary wants, having guys that can that can play that much is going to be a huge asset. Like Warren will not play 35 minutes per game at Tech, but he had the endurance to do it last season, and I think that's that's really, really huge. And I actually want to put you on the spot real quick. I want to, I want to give you a trivia question. I want you to guess the last Texas Tech player that averaged 35 minutes per game. And I'll give you two hints. The first one is that this player did it in three out of the four seasons they played at Tech. And the second clue, which probably doesn't help you at all, is that they went to the same high school as me. Do you have any idea who it is? Mm -hmm. Well, let me think about that for a second. I'm going to guess there's nobody in the Chris Beard era. And that kind of outdates me. Um, probably East Texas guy. I'm going to go ahead and throw one off the wall and just say, hmm. you know what? 
I guess my best go guess is going to be Todrick Gocher, even though I know that's going to be wrong. It is not the Godfather. It is John Roberson, former Plano Wildcat. He played 35 minutes per game in three out of four years. I had no idea that he played that much until I started getting into Warren's numbers. That was just crazy to me. But obviously, Texas Tech probably won't have a 35-minute-per-game player again for a long time because that's a lot of minutes for a guy to be playing. Um, but obviously, I think the endurance part there is really, really huge for Warren. And then, I mean, obviously, the numbers. I tweeted this out, but I'll say it again. He's the first Division One player since 2019 to average more than 20 points and two steals per game over the course of the season. So nobody has done it the past two years. And then only four players have done that since 2018. Um, all of them went on to have professional careers. So obviously the numbers are really impressive, especially when you view it in the historical context of what he was able to do, even with the talent, uh, the talent margin and how it's going to be going from the Big South to the Big 12. He did some really, really impressive stuff, but obviously uh, we have to look for translatables, just knowing that he won't average 20 minutes per or 20 points per game rather at tech. So what did you see on his tape that you really liked? You mentioned the defense, but what else? I think his burst is going to be something that, really kind of stuck out to me. And again, it's something kind of similar to Chandler Jacobs. It's not necessarily the main point when it comes to his driving ability, but it's something that Tech really hasn't seen that much about a wings. Obviously, Terrence Shannon had that impressive burst and athleticism to be able to drive, but it was more of a straight line drive type of deal. I have confidence that Warren is someone that can really kind of be kind of that primary initiator and be able to get into the paint effectively. I mean, the thing is he can create his shot at three different levels. I feel like that at times you don't get a great grasp of that on film with the level of competition he was facing, but I do think that he's got kind of the package to be able to play in a role where he can and create for himself and be the lead ball handler for stretches. I'm not sure it's going to be as prevalent with Tech as it was with Hampton, and I certainly don't think you're going to see him have a usage rate above 20 in every game, but I do think it's something that you can see. I would also argue that his one of his more unique skills is being able to get to the free throw line quite effectively. I mean, his first year on campus, he got, at, he got to the line with a rate of 50%, which is really good, and I think just watching the film, he's someone that's able to seek out contact and is able to finish through contact as well. I mean, he's a very kind of physical player for his size, someone that you can slot in as a guard, but has kind of the body to be able to match up with a lot of Big 12 wings. I think that's something that, not to say that Tech doesn't have, but certainly if you look at some more of their wings, it's either guys that are a little bit lankier, may not be able to create their shot outside of Adonis Arms, and I'm and Kevin McCuller as well. So I think that those those are just skill sets that he has that you can see translate to the next level. I mean, I'm, I would be absolutely shocked if we saw him run as many primary ball handler minutes this year as he had at Hampton. And I would certainly expect his usage rate to go down. I mean, he created so much of his own shots and so much of the offense for Hampton that you can't really project that role to Tech. But I do think... I mean, having that skill set there and having someone that proved that he could have success in that role is important. And then obviously you look on the defensive end. I mean, I already mentioned his on-ball ability. He's someone, again, that 
I mentioned it with like Davion Mitchell back when we were talking about the Big 12 awards, his ability to be a real aggressive and assertive defender without fouling that much this season is pretty impressive. I feel like sometimes he straddles the line on what being physical on defense and being over aggressive is. But I mean, that's a good line to have for someone that is such a key primary defender. And I feel like that's something that you're going to see at Tech he can take advantage of in certain games. I mean, I feel like he's going to be someone that can get into foul trouble at times. And obviously, you don't want to see that too often. But I think it's almost a good thing in that it shows his aggressiveness and his ability to really kind of be instinctive and take advantage of guys that aren't quite physical enough with the ball and aren't able to take on the role of being a primary initiator. Yeah, I'm on the same line of thinking as you are. Um, I I am just really impressed with how easily and how often I found him getting shots at the rim when I was watching his tape. Like he just disrupts the defense so easily. He He can handle the ball. He can... Uh, just get to the rim and finish. And that that's what I really, really like. Um, I really, really like what he can do with the ball in his hands. Like I mentioned that I kind of liked the way that Arms was able to like cut up the defense at times. Um, but Warren is just like, he's really good at it. And, and you can tell like, again, like I don't think this is going to be a guy that has a negative assist to turnover ratio again. Like he is really going to thrive in around big 12 players um, when he's able to get inside of a defense, cause him to collapse and then have some kickouts. Um, and then when he wants to score, I don't think that he'll be able to uh, or have. So that's what I'm really excited about is just him getting to the rim and being able to uh, just create his own shot. Like you mentioned, this is just another one of these guys that Adams has recruited who can just you can give the ball to them on an island and say go go get me a bucket and tech didn't really have that last year outside of mac mcclung and even then uh just mcclung kind of struggled to get to the rim at times because of how uh, just undersized he is um but i mean now you have a guy like warren who's six six and i mean he's just gonna carve up defenses i'm i'm really excited about what he can do on a big 12 floor um, but yeah, I, I guess that's our rundown on Warren. I'm sure we'll mention him in this next segment because uh, we're going to break down just kind of the roster and the roster construction. I sent out a cryptic tweet the other day where I was saying that I might get back into writing uh, on Tech Hoops because I had something really uh, just just bugging me and I, I had the itch to write about it. And so I am doing some some research on this subject right now and trying to figure out if it's something I want to write out or not, but that's just kind of roster construction and the way that Mark Adams is putting together a roster. Um, because I don't really think we've seen a roster like this in the, in the last five years. And I think this roster is going to be really, really unique. Um, so as of today, it is May 5th. Um, there are four guards. I'm, I'm saying that with air quotes. I know you can't see me, but there are four guards. There are five wings. And then Marcus Santos Silva, obviously being the sole big on the roster right now. I guess Emery just, I mean, a month ago, this team looked so different. Looked like they were on the verge of being bottom feeders in the Big 12. But what do you make of this roster right now? 
I'm not going to lie. It's actually really hard to completely project the actual performance of this roster. And it's not something that I'm really overly comfortable with right this second, because I think that there's a lot at play in terms of how how the roster continues to fill out. Because you've still got a few more open spots that you can fill. And also, I mean, we still have to learn the roles that certain players are taking on. And I mean, there's a lot of gray area there. I mean, someone like Chandler Jacobs, you could see him be a real primary initiator. But if if Mac McClung comes back, then that changes. Clarence Sedonley, I mean, you have to expect he's going to get a lot of ball handler opportunities this year. And I certainly think that's kind of a priority for Tech. But I also think that there's a lot of guys now that can create their own shots, with a month, which a month ago didn't really look like it was going to be the case. And I think that's something that's pretty – it's reason for optimism of mine because I feel like that's the key at times in college basketball is having guys that have these exceptional traits that have the opportunity to be versatile and play in different lineups while also each having individual traits that make them valuable. I mean, at this point, you've got guys like Chibuzo Agbo, Chandler Jacobs that can really shoot well. You've got Dennis Arms and Davion Warren that have thrived in high usage situations in the past that maybe smaller schools. And also, again, Chandler Jacobs, someone that has that experience playing as a lead ball handler and taking a whole lot of sort of usage. And then you've got guys that are super athletic or have really strong defensive capability. I mean, I look at someone like KJ Allen, and I think of him as almost like a as like a piece of clay in the sense that you can really kind of mold him into a unique role in the Big 12, can play him down the line, maybe not this year, but in the following year as – a three or a four. And I think that that kind of archetype is something that you don't see every day in college basketball. And I also, I would look at the roster as maybe not a complete picture yet, but I think you're starting to see guys that really fit what Mark Adams wants to have. And I think that's a versatile team that can shoot well and has really good on-ball defenders. And I'm not sure, I mean, those are traits that generally most college coaches want to see. So I don't necessarily think that it's like outlier levels of roster construction. But I think the way that it's gone about and the way that you've got so many guys that have been primary initiators in the past, or you see a skill set or an opportunity where they could play in a lineup and be that lead ball handler while also guarding a number one offensive option. It's really fascinating because, I mean, you've got guys like Chandler Jacobs or Davion Warren that can really play in a role where they're both having to defend the ball handler and be a lead initiator. And I'm excited to see kind of how that continues to evolve because I think it's unique to have so many guys that can be such good on-ball defenders while also being able to create their own shot. And it gives me optimism to see how the rest of the roster is constructed because I think it's going to give an opportunity for someone like Buzo or Kevin McCuller to have easier opportunities both offensively and defensively where they can really fit into roles where them better maximize their talent. Someone like Buzo being able to play off ball with so many on-ball initiators is very promising and on McCuller's end, I mean, he just fits in so well with other guys that have been great lead defenders. So it's, it's exciting stuff. I think the versatility of the roster and the kind of Diversity of skills is something that really impresses me. And I think going forward, I mean, if you continue to see the roster filled out in a way where you have these versatile options and these great skills, both on on offense and defensively as lead ball handler defenders, I think that's something that you look at as 
really something that can make Tech a contender in the Big 12. I wouldn't go as far as say it to be a serious title contender, but it's something where that can be the difference between a team where we thought it was going to be the ninth or the tenth best team in the Big 12, and now a team that could feasibly finish in the top half of the Big 12 again. Definitely, definitely. And you hinted towards something that I'm just going to go ahead and get into, and that's the the versatility of this roster. And that's what I really, really love about what 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 we're seeing right now and essentially what's creating the urge for me to write about this team and just kind of like roster building in college basketball in general. And that's the versatility. And so what Mark Adams is showing us, like he, he's not telling us this is exactly what he's doing, but he's showing us with his recruiting strategy is he is wanting to get players that can essentially be interchangeable pieces on the perimeter and that can play multiple positions on both ends of the floor. So you have a guy like Adonis Arms and it's like, what is he? Well, he he's kind of a guard and he's also kind of a wing. And then you have a guy like Davion Warren who can really handle the ball, but he's big enough to, to you know, go out there on the wing. And then you have a guy like Chandler Jacobs who's probably going to be playing more of the one, but, I mean, who you can also see getting some off-ball opportunities. And so this is what really, really excites me about this team is the versatility. Um, and that's because this is how you win in the Big 12 in 2021. Um, so look at Baylor. Like you had Jared Butler, who was their lead initiator, like a, their lead initiator was playing quote unquote point guard, um, bringing the ball up the floor, creating the offense. Then you surround him with guys like Macy Oteague, who's like a two dash three off ball shooter can also do some things off the dribble, not his, uh, not his greatest strength. And then obviously you have a guy like Davion Mitchell, who's just an extraordinary, extraordinary shooter, um, great defender. Um, and he can slide between like one and three as well. Um, that's Baylor who just won the national championship against one of the greatest offensive teams we've ever seen and made it look easy. And then you have a team like Kansas who has guys like Christian Braun, Jalen Wilson, um, Marcus Garrett, who even was essentially playing out of position last year. Um, and all those guys are just like this m- collective mass on the wing that essentially don't play a position, but just rotate on both ends of the floor and fill whatever role the offense creates. And I mean, both of those teams are really, really good. And I'm not saying that Texas Tech is going to be as good as those two programs have been. But I really, really love that recruiting strategy because like the way college basketball is evolving is it's proving to us that you don't need a one, you don't need a two, you don't need a three, you don't need a four, and you don't need a five. You need guys who can you need players essentially you need guys who can uh, who can dribble the ball who can bring it up who can shoot who can pass and who can play defense and if you do that and you get guys who can do that in a variety of ways you're going to be good Um, and so that's what excites me is because I mean eventually like probably in like a month or so whenever a few more of the roster spots get taken up I'll start doing something I do every offseason and that's kind of creating a hypothetical lineup so not necessarily starting lineups but groups of five guys that I could see being on the court at the same time I mean right now you could run a lineup of Davion Warren Adonis Arms Kevin McCuller um to Chandler Jacobs, I guess, and then Marcus Santos Silva. 
And so that's one lead initiator, three switchable pieces because you don't really need a four in in today's Big 12. It helps against some teams, and you're going to need it against some teams, but it's not necessary. And then you have a big. And I really, really like what that team can do on both ends of the floor, but especially on defense. I think that's where I get really excited about, about this team. Yeah, and I would tend to say as well that really having all of those switchable wings that can create their own shot offensively is something that can't be understated as well. Because, I mean, you looked at Kevin McCuller last year, and he was someone that had a lot of development as a ball handler. Now you're adding in two guys into the Fernando Jones arms and Davion Warren that being a ball handler was something they had to do a lot of at their previous location. And I think that obviously they won't have the usage that they had in previous years, but it is something that you can take on as skill sets that you can add to different lineups. And someone like Chandler Jacobs, someone that has that on-ball defense capability, probably going to play as a one or two in most lineups, but having the ability to have such good on-ball wing defenders around him and you add that in, that's a really dangerous defensive lineup. And I would also say offensively, again, you have so many different creative opportunities. You could play Kevin McCuller feasibly in any position from the two to the four, and it made complete sense with the roster that's around him. And I think the same would go for someone like Davion Moore. And I'm excited to see kind of how that comes together. And Tech is going to have different pieces come up, but I think the more we've seen that having more ball handlers and more great on-ball defenders is something that you see a lot of in great college teams now. I mean, you mentioned Baylor, and I think that's a good point. I would also argue Gonzaga is a good example of that as well. Even though they came up short, you have got a lot of different ball handlers on that team. You had, I believe, four guys that could play as a lead guard, and then you also had defenders that were versatile in that lineup. And I think that that's kind of the MO of how to win in modern-day college basketball, and you're going to have exceptions. You're going to have teams that have very functional roles. I mean, I'd even say the 2018-19 Tech squad that went to the national championship game is a good example of a team that was still able to be really successful even with a roster that had more set functional roles all the way from the guards to to Tariq Owens as a set big and Norrin Sodiase playing the four quite a bit. I think that's something that you can still see be successful in the college game, but also having all those versatile pieces really makes for a fun team. And, I mean, I'm excited like you to just see how this continues to evolve, see some of the other guys that Tech brings in, because I think you're going to get some really interesting lineup combinations and some really interesting sort of play styles that's going to result from this, because you're going to have lineups where you have three to four arguably elite on-ball defenders. Like, I'm going through this in my head right now, and feasibly you could have a lineup, and this would be the one through four being Clarence only Chandler Jacobs, Adonis Arms, and Kevin McCuller, or you can substitute Arms with Davion Warren, and you realistically have a lineup where Nadolny could feasibly be the fourth best on-ball defender. And, I mean, you know how high I am on Clarence Sedoni's on-ball defense. I think that's just ridiculous, to be honest. And I think those sorts of lineups are going to be aspects of Tech's ro- roster and rotation that we're going to see the first few months being really kind of fun to just see how this all works out. And I think, I mean, I'm with you. I'm personally excited to see how Mark Adams is able to 
develop this roster because I think the recruiting strategy of going after more versatile pieces has made it to where now you have so many different options with your lineups and the way that you can build your roster. You can have lineups where you have lethal shooting, lineups where you have a whole lot of on-ball switchability, and and then lineups where you have really elite off-ball defenders. I think that having those different options is something that can be so valuable in modern college basketball, especially given that with it being a new roster with a whole lot of turnover, you're going to see maybe the first couple of months having chemistry issues, having guys that still aren't quite defined with their roles and understanding what they can bring to the table. And it's just more opportunities to switch things up and see what you can go through. So, I mean, I've really loved how Tech has been able to put together this roster. And I think that we're going to continue to see more versatile guys being added to the piece. And that's just going to be fun to cover in terms of seeing how lineups evolve and how Tech is able to have some fun lineups and fun rotations over the course of the year. And we both touched on that, like, four-wing lineup. But, like, another thing that's even possible is Tech runs five wings because we saw them do that plenty of times uh, last year. I mean, against teams like Kansas and then even against teams like West Virginia, when when, uh, Derek Culver would get into into foul trouble, they would go small. Um, And so I think that's a huge asset is having a lineup where you could go small ball five and it's one of your best lineups in the rotation. Um, but I guess just going off the point that I just made, like I know a lot of a lot of people um, really want a, a true big. Um, so essentially, like what I'm talking about there is somebody who is post centric, uh, really lives down low, who can defend the paint and who plays in the paint. And I have a lot of thought, a lot of thoughts on this, but I just want to get your opinion first. Um, do you think that a play like a true big is um is necessary to make this roster complete like do you think it's something they're lacking right now no and quite honestly i'd almost rather tech not go after a true big because i feel like i mean marcus santos silva's skill set very much matches what you would expect a true big to be he runs a lot of post-based offense he's good in the pick and roll but i think it's maybe not the biggest strong suit for him I think defensively, he's a great team defender, and I feel like that's what people overlook. So, I mean, offensively, he carries the role that you would see out of a true big. And then defensively, he brings what Mark Adams is looking for, a defender that can switch effectively at times, that is going to be able to understand his assignments. I feel like someone that can communicate very well from what you see and kind of what you hear around the program. And I feel like that's something – the tech doesn't need some seven foot, some some seven footer that's post dominant that can just dominate down in the post. I mean, sure, it's a luxury to have, but it also can potentially limit what you can do defensively and the lineups you can run, depending on how versatile that guy is and how capable he is of kind of being able to run that no middle style of defense and understand some of the capability or some of the responsibilities that come with being a big in that system. And I feel like just being able to have that versatility defensively and have an offense that can still run with pace and space. To me, I find it more important than having a traditional big. And I understand that people, people go back and talk about how tech needs a true big. And that's been the reason that they've struggled the last couple of years. And I would almost argue that, it's really, it was really a thing that happened all the way throughout the Chris Beard era. It's just 
the last couple of years, it was more apparent because people were looking for reasons why they were struggling. I mean, you look at the rebounding rates in the 2019 team, and they were sub 200, both offensively and defensively. And yes, Tariq Owens was near seven foot and an exceptional shot blocker, but he wasn't some outstanding rebounding presence. And his interior rim defense was impressive. And I feel like you're not going to get a shot blocker like that. They can also switch on the wings and guards somewhat effectively and can play the team defense role that Mark Adams needs them to without oftentimes sacrificing the switchability on defense. I mean, people like to talk about Norn Sodiase, for example, but he only played about 40% of the team's minutes. I feel like bigs in general attack have rarely played over 65% of the minutes since Mark Adams and Chris Beard went, came into town. And maybe that'll change with that, just Adams. But I just think like people tend to really overstate the importance of the big. I mean, look at what Baylor did with Mark Vidal playing small ball five for good portions of their run. And you see it all the time with teams, even Kansas. There was a significant portion of the year where Dave, where David McCormick was effectively a negative. And I mean that with no disrespect to McCormick in his game. I think there were times certainly where he turned into a very valuable player. And his skill set is still there, but there's times where they were much better playing with a five-out lineup and five wings and guards. And I mean, Tech already has Marcus Santos Silva, who I see as a perfect fit for the system. And I just don't think that it's necessary to go out there and get a true big. And if you have the opportunity to get someone that's big that can defend the rim well and can rebound well, then you can go do that. But I think being able to fit in the system and be versatile is much more important. And I feel like that's something that Mark Adams should and probably will prioritize. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. This is the point that kind of like made me want to spur up some research and I've already done a little bit of it. Um, But I I just don't, I just don't get the unending desire to have a true big in your system. I mean, like if you go and you look at like really successful basketball teams over the past couple of years, especially in the big 12, because I mean, in the the big 10 still utilizes uh, true bigs quite a bit. Um, But I mean, in the big 12, like it takes a really rare talent for a guy to be on a good team, like a, a true big to be good on a, like a good team a team that's not just tanking so like essentially what i'm trying to say is like kevin samuel not a horrible player but like he's been on some bad teams and that's that's probably why he's able to get his minutes just because he's the best player on the roster at times um and just be like i mean even this year we saw like west virginia uh when the big O left, they, they essentially just went small and they were like, wow, we're playing a lot better now. And I I think that was kind of an interesting situation to monitor with them. Um, But I mean, yeah, I I just don't get it. Um, I, I know, I know why people want a true big and, and that's because of the perceived presence that they can bring to the floor. Um, And essentially like, I, I know where that line of thinking is. I know that people want, somebody who's going to defend the rim, grab rebounds, um, and then get easy buckets. But, I mean, you're sacrificing a lot once we start going into the, um, essentially just like going up the height scale. You're like sacrificing a little bit of everything 
as you go up an inch and that's not a perfect science and I'm not saying that's linear. That's how, that's how it'll always work. But like I saw a comment the other day where like somebody was like, uh, yeah, like I don't want any more players on the roster unless they're taller than like six, nine. And I, I just don't get that line of thinking because like the best front court players in college basketball right now are, are somewhere around that six, nine, six, 10 range. Because when you start getting into seven footers, we we start getting into guys that are really, really like they can't move. They they can't move on defense. They can't roll to the basket because they're so slow. I mean, we're talking about a guy like Vlad Golden last year who, I mean, he got some baskets because at points he was just taller than everyone else on on the court, but just really, really struggled with basic rotational defenses and uh, getting to the basket consistently on offense and taking advantage of post-ups just because he can't move. And that's nothing against him. Like that's, that's literally just like physics. That's the way his body is built. He's And so I'm definitely with you. Like if I could get like a six, eight, six, nine guy and he be like a good shot blocker, he's athletic. He can rebound. He can shoot. I mean, that's a huge plus. We're going to talk about a guy who's on my wish list in a minute, in a minute who kind of checks all these boxes. Um, but like, I'll, I'll take that over a seven-two guy pretty much any day of the week. Um, you mentioned Mark Vital. I thought about making that comp, but I feel like that's just a little bit risky for me because Mark Vital is is just such a rare talent. But I know you're not you're not undervaluing him when you say that. Um, but I mean, there's not going to be very many guys that are six five that you can run at the five. Um, but I mean, yeah, I think that like all that said, I I don't think that Tech needs a seven footer. Like I don't think that should be like at the top of anyone's wish list. Just because I don't think that's that's how you win in college basketball anymore. All that said, although all that is my it's my inaugural soapbox um, session. All that said, I definitely do think that Tech should be looking to add uh, at least another player to their front court who will be a high minutes player. Just because right now they only have Santos Silva, and obviously you want to get a little bit more depth there. But yeah, that's the end of my soapbox. Um, hopefully, I'll uh, I have some time off before I start with the Knicks. Um, over the next few weeks. So maybe I'll I'll dive into my research and I'll hopefully provide some findings that aren't as rambled and jumbled and messy as they are as I'm behind a live mic. But yeah, that that's kind of our overview of the roster. We're going to take a short break real quick. Um, and when we get back, we are going to answer the questions that you asked in the mailbag. All right, we're back. When we left off, we were talking... Um, just about the overall construction of the roster. And we're going to get into a little bit of that right now. Um, we hosted a mailbag and a few of you asked us some questions. So thank you to everyone that that asked us some questions. If you want to ask a question for next time, you can follow us on Twitter um, at No Middle Madness. It's also in the description of this episode. And you can either ask us a question the next time we hold a mailbag, or you can even DM us a question if there's something really, really urging you, and we'll try to get around to it on our next episode. Um, but the first question is from Glacier Boy. He asked us some questions the last time we had a mailbag, so thanks again for asking on this episode. Um, but he said, with who is on the roster right now and the possibility of Mac McClellan coming back, what dash who do you wish Adams in the staff just positions you want in general or if you have names you want i'm gonna go first um, because i'm really eager to talk about this player because i hinted at them in my last rambling session but 
at the very top of my wish list, um, which also includes like um, realisticness, I guess is a way to put it. But essentially like guys that I know tech has reached out to and is interested in, I'm not just listing like uh, who just entered the portal the other day, Marcus Bagley, like we haven't heard anything about him in tech. Um, so obviously a guy like him isn't going to be on my list just because I don't think it's realistic. But at the very top of my list is Bryson Williams out of UTEP. Man, I I am just so excited about the prospect of this guy joining the Red Raiders. Um, I, they're, they're heavily involved in the mix. I think they'll be um, one of the finalists in his decision. I'm a little worried about him going to Texas following his collegiate career. But, I mean, you want a guy who can do it all. Like, like I just talked about, like, one of these rare bigs. Like, Williams is, like, that to a T like I think he's going to be an NBA player by the by the end of next year whenever he gets some some uh power five eyes on him but I mean a guy that can that can shoot the ball he's he's increased his comfort shooting the ball from deep over his career he is a guy that you can legitimately run the offense through like he looks really good making passes and dribbling um and then just a guy who can rebound and block shots um he's a little bit of a five a little bit undersized he'd probably run like the four or the five but i mean all the guys that tech has landed so far good players players that i think will get minutes next season players that i think will absolutely make a difference um but but bryson williams is like a needle a needle mover like he he would make texas tech tremendously better i think he'd be a projected starter and probably one of the one of the like most highly valued uh, pickups uh, when it's all said and done. Just an extraordinary player. Um, and I guess the second guy, I don't have very many other names. Um, the second guy I would have is EJ Onu, who Tech just expressed interest to a little while ago. He's from Shawnee State, which is an NAIA school. Um, but I I saw his name because. I think it was Jonathan Gavoni from ESPN tweeted that Tech was interested in him. And I was like, all right, I'll get into his his film and see what he what see what he's up to. And oh my goodness, just such a, a rare player. Like obviously we have to consider talent level, but in terms of intangibles and what he has, it is so, so rare. I mean, he averaged sixteen point nine points, eight point one rebounds, and four and a half blocks last year all on twos and 40% on threes and that's on four attempts per game. So he's another player that I'm definitely really, really interested in. Uh, He's a little bit more raw than Williams is. So I think he might have a little bit of an adjustment period, might not be an immediate contributor and starter. Um, But those are two guys that I am very high on. Emery, do you have guys that you have on your wish list or are you just eyeing positions right now? Yeah, well, I mean, Bryson Williams is a tier above pretty much anyone that Tech is feasibly going to be able to get, I think. I mean, like you, I'm worried about him going to Texas. I would probably project that as being unbiased in terms of what I would expect. But, I mean, if you could get a guy like Bryson Williams, that's a four razor for you. I mean, the guy's really for the last two years arguably been one of the best mid-major players in the nation. It's really gone kind of unnoticed. I mean, his game against Kansas, where they had them on the ropes early in the year or late in the year for much of the game, and it was, I believe, right after Kansas beat Baylor um, when Baylor was coming back from COVID. 
you know, I got a chance to watch them in that game. And I've also randomly watched the Conference USA quite a bit for a variety of reasons. I mean, Williams is probably the most talented player to come from that conference. I feel like he's someone that if you put on the team, not only is he versatile, I think his skill set's pretty impressive. He can grab rebounds, which Tech fans seem to be very infatuated with, but he can also be kind of a lead initiator offensively. I mean, I guess the one kind of concern you would have with him is that he's not someone that is necessarily kind of a pace and space type of guy in terms of his ability to play make in the open, be a playmaker in the open floor isn't quite what you ex- you would expect from someone that's as versatile a piece as he is. But still, I mean, his skill set is very impressive. And I have a couple more guys that I've kind of looked into a little bit. Mo Guillet, and I think I might be mispronouncing that, is someone from Stony Brook that is absolutely incredible if you look at his stats and kind of the way he plays. I mean, the guy has got it. He's only six foot nine, but his wingspan has to be at least seven foot two. He averaged over three blocks per game in only 26 minutes this past year. Can shoot the three ball at least reasonably well. And he's also got a playmaking ability. I feel like he's going to end up maybe up in the Northeast, but he's someone that really kind of stood out to me. I mean, that's a skill set that you can have anywhere in the nation and it just be incredible. I think Quincy Garrier from Syracuse is another potential shot blocking big that you could see. I mean, his block rates have been high the last couple of years. He's not quite the shooter that you would hope he is in terms of, I mean, he's only 31% from three and last year he was under 10%, which is not ideal, but he's someone that can really play that athletic role from the tape. He looks like someone that moves well defensively, can switch on. I mean, he played more of a big role at Syracuse, but he was able to play over 80% of their minutes. And he played from what I saw a lot of four and five kind of been a mixture of those roles. And that's someone that I can see tech looking for. And then I guess someone as well that I've heard of, maybe he's in Malik Wilson out of Louisiana. I mean, that's someone that I think it'd be, he'd be another one that's a great on-ball initiator and can play make as well as be a great defensive presence, especially with the on-ball defense. I think, I mean, if you add any one of those three guys, you're adding them to a roster that's already extremely versatile defensively. And I'm excited to really see kind of how that plays out because, I mean, obviously Bryson Williams for me is the number one guy. If you get Bryson Williams, that really raises the ceiling of your team. And I would say any of those other three guys all have really intriguing kind of skill sets that Tech could use. I think that's what I'm looking for. And so, like, there could be other guys that go come along in the portal that we hear about from Tech expressing interest. But those are the guys, I think each of them provide a skill set. And I think that's what Mark Adams should be prioritizing. It's kind of the versatility and lineup and the individual skill sets that guys can bring to the table. And that's just kind of what I look at. I mean, I know there's a lot of different ways to evaluate, and I'm sure we're going to hear about even more guys that Tech is interested in. But I, I think any one of those guys being added to the roster would be a great addition. I'm glad you mentioned who you did because I also had the Stony Brook and the Syracuse Bigs on my list, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to pronounce their names correctly. So thank you for for taking one for the team and also expressing your interest in those guys because those guys are both good players as well. Speaking of names, Devin Butts of Louisiana entered the portal today. His dad 
played at Texas Tech. Um, potentially a lineup of butts and arms at Texas Tech next next season. That 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 yeah, th- those are some names. Um, speaking of names, Robbie Quackenbush. That is an awesome name. Thank you for asking a question. He said, "Any chance TJ is coming back?" Obviously, talking about Terrence Shannon there, and then is Mac McClung coming back? Emory, I think we can make this pretty quick. We both have uh, kind of our extended thoughts on this. Um, let's just do percentages. For TJ, I will say 90% he goes, maybe make it 95 For McClung, I'll say 85% chance he's back. What do you got? I'll go with a rough aggregate of what I believe my AP Human Geography test score will be from yesterday in terms of percent of questions I get got right. And that would be 2% on the percent chance that TJ Shannon is back because I do not see it unless the unless what he hears from NBA insiders and Intel is just a complete disaster. I think, for one, Tech has clearly been recruiting around guys that are versatile wings that have skill sets that, I mean, not TJ would fit right in, but I also think that you're going to have a stacked plethora of wings. And I feel like that indicates that maybe they don't expect him back. And I also would just say usually guys that are fringe first round slash early second round guys aren't people that you want to see withdrawing their names from the draft. So personally, I hope TJ Shannon stays in the draft because I think he's going to get drafted in that range. And I think that it would be wise for him to go ahead and take that develop in the NBA. And I just can't see it happening where he comes back. And for Mac McClung, I mean, I think I'm more along the 75-25 split with 75% being that he comes back to Tech. I mean, McClung, I don't think is going to get drafted in the NBA. I just don't think that his skill set lines up with what guy, what NBA scouts are looking for with a lead ball handler. I mean, certainly he's an exciting player, one that's going to be marketable, one that has value to a franchise. But, I mean – you just don't see him as an NBA guy as of now. And that can obviously change, but I mean, there's always a chance that he sticks it out and believes in himself, which more power to him if he does. And I, I think there's an avenue certainly where he has success at the next level. But I think if his sort of insight is waiting and seeing what the NBA draft insiders and scouts say to him, then I feel like, he'll end up eventually coming back to Tech just for no other reason than I just don't see them being interested in him, at least in this draft. So for McClung, I think it's about 75%. And, I mean, TJ Shannon, I mean, I would be absolutely shocked if he was back at Tech. Yeah, TJ should go get the bag. I think we're both rooting for him to do that. And then with McClung, I think I said 85%. And I would say, like – um trying to do math like 14 percent of the percentage that he leaves is to pursue a pro opportunity like somewhere overseas like i think it's just gonna be him being like all right i'm tired of playing college basketball let me go make money um like i don't think that he will stick it out and enter the nba draft and go the g league route maybe he will um but like i think he'd make a ton of money playing overseas so if, if he's bored and if he wants to go make money he should by all means, pursue one of those opportunities. All right, next question, Rob Bro. Shout out to Rob, good friend of mine, let me on his radio show once, and I don't think I made a total fool of myself. Um, but he asked if you could add one former Big 12, not a Red Raider player, to next year's roster, who would it be? And then who 
a current roster. Um, I'll go first. I think this one, I'm sure we're going to have the same answer here. Um, former Big 12 player, I'll go Kevin Durant. Um, that just feels like a layup. Unless we're going like all-time scope, in which case I'd probably pick Will Chamberlain. Um, and then I guess like a more like fitting the team need, I guess I'll go Blake Griffin um, to play like a small ball five. That'd be pretty fun. And then ooh, I guess give me your, your past pick first because I need to think about current roster real quick. Um, to be quite honest with you, like Kevin Durant is the theoretical pick for the Big 12 all time. I mean, because A, you have the NBA success, which obviously glorifies someone's college past. But then B, I mean, he came in as a freshman and was arguably the best player in the nation that year. Like, that just, you don't see that every day. You rarely see it ever. I mean, you could say Trey Young had the same sort of impact, but Trey Young also was a negative defensively. Kevin Durant was still arguably a positive defender coming out of college. And I feel like his offensive impact and efficiency was just absolutely incredible. I mean, it, I have a hard time picking against Kevin Durant. I feel like if you if you put college version of KD on this tech team, they would be outright national championship favorites. I think there's maybe five college players in the last two decades that you could say that for. But since you already picked him, I'm going to throw out another name. And I think it, I already mentioned him, but I think if you put Trey Young on this team, it would be really interesting because Tech, in theory, has the on-ball defense and the versatility to be able to kind of hide him on the defensive end. And in terms of outright playmaking and kind of proactive passing, I don't know if there's a single college basketball facilitator that's coming in a freshman and being better in that sense than Trey Young was. And people always mention how his efficiency dipped from a scoring perspective. They forget he also led the nation in assists. I think that might be the most valuable thing that he brings is his ability to facilitate. I mean, he made everyone on that roster good on offense for a period of time, and it was just so impressive. And I feel like that skill set in college basketball is oftentimes very undervalued. It's very much a Monte Morris type of stat, which is another guy I would give a little bit of consideration to, if for no, no other reason than intangibles he offers offensively would be impressive. So since you took Kevin Durant, I'll switch it up and go Trey Young, even though Kevin Durant's still the best answer. And like you, if this had been all time, then I might have given a little bit of thought to Will Chamberlain just because of how ridiculous he was um, in terms of looking all the way back in terms of historical programs in the Big 12. But Kevin Durant, Trey Young, Blake Griffin, all of those guys are players that would make Tech an extremely, extremely exciting team. But I'm interested to hear what your pick from the current Big 12 is, because like you, I also have to do a little bit of thinking on this. I had an answer in mind that I'll give um, first regardless, but I still think there's room for kind of discussion, and I'm interested to hear what you have to say on it. Yeah, this is hard, because there, there's kind of two ways you, you could think of this, and I don't know if we're talking one way or the other. And so I guess it would mean like the two ways that you could think about this is guys that are 100% returning for next year or guys that were on their teams last year. Um, thinking about it in terms of guys that are returning to their teams the next year, man, there are, there were a lot of good players. Um, I think I would have to go David McCormick, even though you called him a negative earlier. I think I would have to go with him um, just because I, I really buy his development. I think that, 
time he'll develop a little bit more into a little bit more of an effective player and i think he'll eventually end his his collegiate career as a pretty high draft prospect um but i really like him um and i guess two other guys i really like these are kind of weird picks um like projecting I go JTT out of Baylor and then Davion Bradford from Kansas State. I really, I really like um, his ceiling as a seven footer. I think that Kansas State is going to make the tournament this year. That that's my hot take in in May. Is that I think Kansas State is a tournament team. But yeah, those are two guys that I think are returning and are really good. And then if I could pick a guy that uh, was on their team last year and isn't returning, I'd probably go Brady Manick or uh, Derek Culver just for um, positional requirements, even though it feels really difficult to not pick Davion Mitchell. But but what, what do you got? All right. Well, in true Emory fashion, I'm going to go with my initial pick, which was Gabe Osaboyan from West Virginia. Because I think if you put Gabe Osaboyan on this Texas Tech team, and give him the defensive versatility that he is known for is arguably one of the best and under most underrated defenders in the nation. Tech might have the most stacked on such off-ball defensive roster that we've seen to the point where I genuinely think you could run a lineup out there that could switch one through four with four different guys, all of them being capable of that with no issue, and maybe even throw Osaboyan in as a small ball five and still have that same sort of capability with Osaboyan being able to switch pretty much any position. So I think the defensive versatility you have from that is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, for me, I just think that even though his offense would basically be in neutral, you're still looking at someone that just makes – this tag team all the more exciting and more versatile. So that was my first pick. I think Nigel Pack from Kansas State is another really good pick just because I'm really enamored with his offensive ability. It's ability to create his own shot while also being a lethal off-ball weapon. And I feel like if you combine that with the on-ball guys that Tech has, that's something that really is exciting to me. And I also agree with you in Kansas State being a tournament team. So I think our hot takes kind of align there. So Nigel Pack's the second guy. I think his offensive impact would be huge. And then, I mean, we're really talking, if we're talking about guys from last year, I mean, Davion Mitchell would be kind of the initial pick. Deuce McBride's another one. Um, I'm hesitant to go with Brady Manick because I feel, I mean, I still have questions about his kind of switchability. I feel like that's what I'm looking for here is almost the roster fit and just being such a good, versatile roster. And I feel like, Davion Mitchell's primary defensive ability and ability to be a lead initiator offensively is exceptional. And so you always want to keep that and keep as many of those guys on your roster as possible. Obviously, Dish McBride's a lot of the same things, to be honest. And then, I mean, I guess, though, if we're talking about last year onto this year, Mark Vidal, I mean, again, like Osavoyan, someone that's versatile, someone that has a lot of natural basketball IQ and someone that would really just make this team even more fun to watch. So I guess to wrap up my answer, if we're looking in terms of theoretical fit, I would go with Osaboyan as my answer for if we're just adding one current player that's coming back this year. And if we're going overall, I'll switch it up and say Deuce McBride is my guy that's probably not coming back. But if we could have him on this year's roster, I would take him. Adams would kill with Osaboy, and that's that's a good pick. But I can't believe that you you turned on Brady Manick, a, a top 
Tar Heel while you're hosting a Texas Tech podcast. That's like totally sacrilegious. You just you just turned your back on like double on him. That's just cruel, man. But hey, it is what it is. I hear what you're saying. Um, but Brady Manic, he gets buckets, man, and he has awesome hair. So I would definitely like to welcome him to the Red Raiders. All right, next question. Tech Hoops guy asks, who will be the biggest surprise in the basketball world next year? He he detailed out that he meant every single level of basketball i appreciate that and then he said and why is it chapuzo agbo man let's just give buzo some love real quick let's let's give it about five minutes of love um we are both huge buzo stands i think we are both projecting big big things for buzo next year um i mean if we're gonna talk about like game changing players i don't think we're going to have to hold like an hour long podcast about this one day, but Buzo's minutes in that NCAA might've been the most impactful stretch of minutes. Any red Raider played all of last season. He completely changed the game around even with two bad shots. It didn't mean anything to him. He kept the mindset like a veteran and he came back and he made some big shots. I think he was two of four, um, which is what he finished the game as. Um, But I, I'm super excited to see him with another off season. Um, but yeah, just, just a great player, man. I, I really buy his versatility. I think we'll see some more of him at the small ball five. I know that's like the 1000th time we've said that on this podcast, but actually last time, I don't remember if you, if you remember this Emery, but we, we were talking about it before a game. I can't remember what game it was, but then they played and he played the small ball five. And I was like, we, we need to mention Buzo playing the small ball five on every single podcast. So we can manifest it. But, I mean, we're, we're both huge Buzo guys. Uh, I really buy his development. Like, I, I truly do think that he can finish his collegiate career as an, as an NBA prospect, no problem. He has the tools. He, I think he needs to work on his um, self-creation a little bit. But, I mean, in terms of a 3 and D prospect, like, this guy has all the to- tools to do that. Emery, go ahead and give us your Buzo thoughts. I'm going to give you a three-minute a three time limit to do so. All right, well, first off, in order for Chibuzo Agbo to be a complete surprise, that would require nobody to believe in him. And let me tell you, there are a lot of Buzo stands out there that completely believe that he's going to break out this year, and you and I are two of them. And in terms of biggest surprise, unfortunately, I think enough people believe in Buzo that maybe he isn't the biggest surprise, but he is absolutely going to be a revolution Revelation in the college basketball world. And I'm going to go in and skip ne- skip like two years down the line. I'm going to say next year he's a fringe NBA guy. And I'm not saying he's going to declare for the NBA draft. But I think you've already seen enough guys in the scouting world and on draft Twitter and those circles that seem to think of him as a guy with that sort of potential. And I think we're going to see a lot more of him next year. And you're going to see him in a role that's going to allow him to flourish. I think having so many on-ball creators and great on-ball defenders around him is going to give him really the best opportunities to, to succeed. Because the thing is, he was always maybe a questionable primary ball handler defender. And I feel like he got put in some bad spots early in the year in terms of having to defend guys that were lead initiators. And in terms of being a point of attack defender, isn't necessarily a strong suit. But, I mean, defensively, I felt like his struggles were always overstated last year. I think his actual... Off-ball IQ defensively is pretty impressive. Obviously, he got back cut a couple of times, as most aggressive off-ball defenders will get. But I think as a whole, he's got the package and the versatility and opportunity 
to be an effective small ball five and to play as a wing. And I think it's impressive to see how he was able to do in that Arkansas game. I think as well as that, you look back at the Texas game, the LSU game, as games where he was able to come in and make an impact in that role. And I mean, I think next year it's going to be the same deal. I think enough people believe in him to where I'm not sure he'd be the biggest surprise. I would say the biggest for me, I would give a little bit of love to Clarence Sodom here and say that I think he can become a legitimate rotation piece as a guard and really be an efficient playmaker. And I'm not sure that I'd also be a huge surprise, but at least for you and me. But I'm high on Nadoli, but I'm even higher on Buso. And I guess to wrap this up, I mean, I know some people may get tired of my constant standing for Buso and how highly I think of him, but I mean... The fact is, he's got a skill set that can be so fun to watch because he's such a good shooter. He moves so well off ball. He's a pretty good team defender, and I think you add all of those things together, and he's just someone you want on your team because he's not someone that's going to be really demanding, that's going to need the ball in his hands to make things happen, but his skill set is just so fun. I think it's going to fit in perfectly with this tag team. So, yes, Chibuzo Agbo will be the coming out story in the basketball world in terms of being able to be a superstar all big 12 caliber player there you have it saved by the bell you got in right before the buzzer good job but i mean i'm with you i'll I'll give my one minute rundown um obviously we talk about buzo a lot on this podcast but it's it's not a bit like we we both really really like this guy's skill set um and that's because he has the skill set of an nba player and we both think he can be really, really good. Um, and a lot of other people think he can be good as well. If you follow a lot of like kind of these underground, like grassroots um, basketball scouts, guys that aren't always um, like making national headlines, a lot of these guys really like him. A lot of these guys really projected him as one of Tech's best NBA prospects coming out of high school. And, I, and I'm still there. I, I still have my flag planted on, on Buzo Island. Um, and so, yeah, when when he breaks out next season, Emery and I, maybe, maybe we should launch like a cryptocurrency or something like Buzo coin. So when Buzo starts breaking out, everyone has to pay us and we can become super rich. But yes, great question. Tech Hoops guy, friend of the pod. Thank you for asking. Um, our next question is by Patrick. He got it in right before the buzzer. He asked, what is your overall assessment of the coaching staff? Then he proceeded to say Adams doesn't have many connections to these guys on the surface, except for P- Peary. Um, Williams didn't even say Adams' name right during his inter press conference. Sutton-Peary helped direct efforts to bring these guys over. Um, that's kind of a two-parter. I'll, I'll give both my thoughts real quick. I'd say my overall assessment of the coaching staff is really, really like the way it's come together, especially from a recruiting standpoint. Like Williams and Hester are both really, really uh, respected recruiters. And they're both guys that I knew before they were on staff at Texas Tech. Not new, but I knew of. Um, And so that's always a good sign when you can hire a guy that um, like people recognize. And then I really like what, what Peary brings to the floor. And I also think Peary... Um, like no no disrespect in terms of his recruiting like he, he's going to make some noise on the west coast as well um, but I, I really like the way it's come together I think like all these guys fit really really well this is a really good staff in my opinion um, and then I would say that like I don't I don't think it's necessarily true that Adams doesn't have uh, very many connections to these guys I think that um, like 
we, we just have to remember that like everything that that we see and that we read isn't always um isn't always public like adams may know these guys a lot more than than we really know and even then like Williams and Sean Sean Sutton were teammates. Like that's a relationship with Adams technically because Adams is keeping Sutton on his staff. And I mean, like if we want to go back and we want to look at everyone who's been a part of the Eddie Sutton coaching tree, like we're going to go back a long, long time. I mean, even, even Peary had uh, a connection to, to Eddie. Um, so, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily say it's true. Um, I wouldn't put any stock in saying someone's name wrong. If, if you put stock in, the people's names who I said wrong, I would have absolutely no rapport because I'm horrible at pronouncing names. Um, but I really like the staff. I, I think a lot of these guys have mentioned how much respect they have for Mark Adams, and I think that's the most important thing. They, they respect him and they want to they want to play for him. I think that's 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 how you poach guys. I mean, you're not you're not stealing a guy from one of the quickest rising schools in the S. About being a winner and really having uh, relationships and connections. I guess, Emery, give us your thoughts pretty quickly. I mean, I'll just echo everything you say. I mean, we don't hear anything really that comes along with coaches' relationships and whatnot. I mean, I don't want to touch on Chris Beard for too long, but if you hear his press conference over press conferences over the years, you probably heard fifty plus coaches they had tremendous respect with and texted back and forth with and all of these things. And coaches have these relationships. And even if they don't, they're very much spectators of the industry. They see coaches that have gained respect and it makes them interested in communicating, getting a network with them and kind of becoming friends and having relationships in the industry. And we rarely see any of that. I mean, it's a lot like networking in real life. Like you can't, really get a good gauge on everyone that some or everybody that somebody knows and what they bring to the table without really knowing them well I mean like that just doesn't make much sense I so it's I'm not going to say that it's outright false but I mean I wouldn't say that Mark Adams has been like just not coming to the table and bringing these guys on I mean it's clear that this program has some pull to it and it's clear that Mark Adams it's a very well-respected coach in the industry. I mean, you don't get to where he's been in his career with as many stops and as much winning without being respected by others. And I feel like if he wasn't respected by the assistant coaches and if Tech wasn't confident that he would be able to bring guys in, he wouldn't have been hired. He wouldn't have even been in an assistant place in the first place. I feel like people underrate the amount of kind of personal skills it takes to be a Division One basketball coach and to be – someone that's able to bring in guys from other schools, guys like Mike Neal or guys like Corey Williams or even David Peary, I mean, or Barrett Peary, excuse me, who was a coach at Portland State. He had really very little incentive to jump ship, but he came to work with Mark Adams. And just, I don't know, it's not something where I would judge the guy based off of the limited interactions that you see. And I mean, we don't know these guys personally. Or if we do, it's in a very kind of distant way. So, I mean, I have a hard time really putting too much stock into what people say, how names are pronounced in press conferences, or the generalized takes on what someone's personality and their ability to recruit is like. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say on that is that, like, coaching relationships, like, it's crazy how deep these connections go. Like, I mean... 
let's let's throw it back to a couple of seasons ago, like when Mark Adams was was being interviewed uh, to join the Bulls staff. Like at that time, like it was announced that like Adams and and Jim Boylan had known each other for years, and like nobody like really knew that unless you you were deep in the coverage of college basketball. Like if you if you were Don Williams, you probably know that because because your brain is just an unending encyclopedia of knowledge on sports. But I mean, like. I didn't know that until that news broke and like Boylan flew to Lubbock to like, to like meet with Adams at a time that was convenient with him. So I think that's like huge. Um, but yeah, Mark Adams is a guy that a lot of people respect. A lot of people love, and I'll, I'll just leave it at that. Our final question. Thank you again to everyone that asked questions. We really appreciate it. Um, it gave us something to talk about. I thought this episode would be a little bit shorter, which is why I fielded the mailbag. We ended up talking for much longer than I anticipated, which is 100% my fault. Um, but thank you again to everyone who asked questions. Our final one is from Russ. He said, last man standing in a fist fight between Coach Adams and the other coaches on staff. I will pick the guy who defeated the Bear against everyone on the staff combined and the team. Give me Mark Adams all the way to Gold Glove. Emery, who you got? First off, a shout out to Russ for being a great supporter of both of ours and continuing to support our work with this podcast. We really appreciate him and everyone that came together to ask questions for us. I mean, it's been great fun being able to ask these questions or answer these questions both on this podcast and on other podcasts that we've done in the past. To end off on this question, though, I mean, Mark Adams has to be the heavy favorite, but I'll throw a name out here in Oliver Houston. Um, very accomplished athlete at Baylor, and Mary Harden Baylor was a four-year athlete there and played tight end, also played basketball. Now, I'm not saying he would beat the great Mark Adams because I think, I mean, that's very tough to do. A bear couldn't get it done. I'd take Mark Adams over anyone on the team or the coaches. Not sure I'd go everyone combined because that's a little bit on the crazy side, but I'll say Mark Adams goes ahead and dominates the entire team and all the coaching staff. However, I will say Oliver Houston will be the best of the rest of that. Shout out to Oliver, assistant strength and conditioning coach. Obviously, he'll have plenty of uh, plenty of strength to try and take on Adams. But I mean, at the end of the day, I'm, I'm going with the gold glove. I'm going with the guy who defeated a bear because that's that's pretty impressive. But Yes, again, thank you to everyone, Russ, Patrick, Tech Hoops guy, Rob, Robbie, uh, and Glacier Boy. I love that name. I should start going by that um, for asking your questions. We appreciate it. Thank you to everyone that listened to the podcast and uh, everyone that has been following us on Twitter, DMing us with feedback, um, questions. We, we appreciate that. We've checked my DMs um, at least uh, like once a week. Sometimes things can get buried. Um, but I'm always looking, always seeing if if anyone has questions. Um, so I appreciate that feedback. I know Emory does too. Um, but yeah, thank you all for listening. If you could, just leave us a review wherever you listen. It really helps us out um, just with the algorithm and as we try and continue to grow our brand. But yeah, Emory, anything else you want to say before we sign off and I go eat dinner? Uh, not really anything else other than... Chibuzo Agbo will be an all-big 12 caliber player within the next couple of years, and nobody will beat Mark Adams in a fight. Not even If a bear couldn't do it, I don't think any human being could. And yeah, I mean, 
I want to see a boxing ring match with tech coaches. I think that's a good idea. But for now, I mean, we got to support Mark Adams. And not only is he a great boxer, but he's also a great coach and someone that I have confidence will build a great roster. And I'm excited to continue to cover this team and see some of the more versatile pieces and some of the guys that Tech can bring in in the next couple of weeks because I still don't think Tech's anywhere near being done in building this roster. And as great as, as it is already, I think adding more pieces is going to only increase the success of the team going forward. Yeah, so per usual, we'll be back when there's news, hopefully uh, sometime next week, and then uh, hopefully we'll be able to record an episode um, if Tech lands Bryson Williams, because I know both of us could talk about him for a good solid hour. But thank you again for listening. This has been Ryan Mayville and Emery Lida. We appreciate the support, and we'll catch you later.